Hello and welcome to Baby Sally's Sunday Sermons. <laughs> Number two, I'm laughing because I'm still a little embarrassed about that. Um, I'm, I'm probably should call these episodes if they are coming out as podcasts, but I'm still trying to avoid that for some reason and uh, trying to make myself more comfortable with the the title I've assigned this, Baby Sally's Sunday Sermons. So I'm going to start right off and um, give you reasons, or give myself reasons, why I should not be using that. Um, Just before bed last night, I looked up sermon, and uh, Wikipedia says, A sermon is an oration by a member of the clergy. Clearly, I'm not a member of the clergy, so I'm disqualified right there. Sermons address a biblical, theological, religious, or moral topic usually expounding on a type of belief, law, or behavior within both past and present contexts. Now, that doesn't quite seem to fit with what uh, I have planned here either. I'm just planning a a kind of talk, uh, but focused mostly, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a spiritual journey. I I think that that might be it, or something close to that. Uh, Not so much religious, Although I am thinking about joining a church for the first time in my life, and uh, this, these podcasts, these talks will explore that process. Uh, in Christianity, a sermon, also known as a homily within some churches, is usually delivered in a place of worship, most of which have a pulpit or ambo, an elevated architectural feature. Now... I'm sitting in the front seat of my Mazda, overlooking a beautiful park today. It's Thompson Park. Uh, the last sermon was at uh, Bluffers Park. This, to me, is as much of a church as any building will ever be. So I cut myself some slack there. Uh, parks and bars are my che- churches. Nature in general, but bars for the communal aspect of them, and uh, I'll... I'll Give examples of that uh, at another time. Uh, The word sermon comes from a Middle English word, which was derived from Old French, which in turn came from Latin, sermo, uh, meaning discourse. So that's a little closer. If I go back to the original Latin, this is a kind of discourse. Uh, Furthermore, the word can mean conversation, which could mean that early sermons were delivered in the form of question and answer, and only later did it become to mean a monologue. So there we go. Could be that it is uh, very much a monologue right now. Uh, I do have to add, in modern language, the word sermon can also be used pejoratively in secular terms to describe a lengthy or tedious speech delivered with great passion by any person to an uninterested audience. So I hope you are not uninterested. I hope these are not too tedious. Uh, They're certainly self-serving. So there we go. Um, That takes care of the sermon part of it. Now what about Baby Sally? Who is Baby Sally and why such a ridiculous name? Baby Sally was a character in the Dixon Janes Readers. And I've laid claim to Dixon Janes well over 30 years ago. Uh, Dick and Jean and Baby Sally were fictional characters in the early 
reading books that many of us, let's say in, in uh, I was going to say white middle-class America, it wasn't necessarily white, but it was certainly middle-class America. Those of us who went to school in the 50s learned to read by, and they had these characters who were clearly very white and privileged uh, and middle-class uh, the father had a job, he wore a fedora, he had a car, mother kept house, very much like you saw on 1950s television, Leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best. That was the American vision of what it was to be an American. And um, this is what we were fed, our very, very earliest exposure to, you know, education and learning to read was, look, Dick... Look, Jane, look, look, and things to that effect. So there is a whole generation, certainly people my age, now in their 60s, who grew up with these. And if you use the word, do you remember the Dixon Jane's readers? It's surprising how many people do know them. In fact, the books themselves have become collector's items. I'm embarrassed to say I spent uh, almost $200 purchasing a 1947 teacher's edition of the Dixon Jane's readers, which gave all the instructions uh, for the educator as well as the entire series of texts of, of these readers. So that's a treasure. Anyway, um, in previous a newsletter I used, it was called Dixon Jane's, and I used it to mean anybody, any male, any female. Dick and Jane were generic terms for for <sighs> Maybe a group of us, maybe people who shared similar values, I don't know. Uh, I did a zine for 20 years under that title, Dixon Janes. I did a podcast, a solo podcast for 10 years using called Dixon Janes. And it was on a trip to actually the Grand Canyon when I confess I had uh, eaten some THC-infused candy that you could buy legally in Colorado. And was having a wonderful walk in the Grand Canyon, listening to a guide talk about its history and the the first people who were there and so on, that I had this, uh, dare I say, epiphany that I am Baby Sally. Now, Baby Sally was the character who didn't have much to do. I mean, you looked up to Dick and Jane. They were the active ones. They pulled the wagons. They flew the planes. They they helped father. Jane helped mother. And Sally was just a bit useless. She was the baby who couldn't do much. Well, it just happens in my own family. I have an older brother and an older sister. And I am really baby Jane. I'm five years younger than my brother, seven younger than my sister. And it seemed that's where I fit. Now, the reason I'm going on about this, again, forgive me, this this indulgence, which may seem to have no relation, but I, I think I have to set this up so that there's an understanding. It almost seemed as if Dick's, Dick and Jane's futures were already planned, mapped out. They were older. They were going to follow that American, North American, Western pattern of, of life. They were going to do the things... Dick was a boy, he would do the things that boys do. Jane was a girl, she would do the things that girls do. Baby Sally was, there was no idea what was her future. And I feel this is very fitting, it's very symbolic of somebody who 
came of age during the 1960s and not the 50s. Dick and Jane were of the 50s. The 60s came and it was a time of turmoil, a time of change, a time of new discoveries. It was a time of, well, we all know what the 60s represent. Protest and peace movements and and anti-establishment feelings from, from young people challenging the status quo. And I was very much swept away by that in my own youth. Uh, introduced to drugs and and uh, another world that wasn't taught to us that we found for ourselves. We had our our gurus. The Beatles were certainly our gurus and our our heroes and Jimi Hendrix or the Rolling Stones, the Bad Boys. You know, um, so Baby Sally's life went off on another direction completely. And I feel that's my story, and that's the story of a lot of other people. So it took me a lifetime to realize that connection. And I guess I'm using it in the same way I use Dick and Jane. There are many other people who are uh, exploring new territory, finding a new way of life, not accepting what was laid out before them, and trying to find meaning in a new world. Uh, and I, I hope that explains uh, why it is that I'm calling this Baby Sally's Sunday Sermons. They're not even necessarily recorded on a Sunday, and we've already established they're not necessarily sermons. But we will explore the whole concept of, let's say, personal growth, discovery, uh, trying to find meaning and all the other things that come our way. So, all right, let's 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 put that aside for now. And I, I did promise I would try and keep these, I hope, within the 20-minute mark, but we'll see. I've already gone over on the first one. <sighs> the church. I tell people when I when I attend uh, the, uh, the new church that I found, the United Church here, uh, West Hill in Scarborough, that I haven't been to church since the age of 13. And that's pretty accurate. My family was Anglican, and they went to a church called St. Paul's in Lachine, suburb of Montreal. And there was a particular minister at that time who seemed to love his ladies' group in that they did an awful lot of fundraising for the church. And he seemed to be constantly coming by to... My mother was head of the guild at one point, which for her was a big challenge in her life. And uh, anyway, the women did an awful lot of work, hand-stitching and baking and bake sales and bazaars and who knows. And there always seemed to be more being put on them. And I, I remember that bothering me, that why is my mother working so hard for you who drove up and I, in my imagination, it was a very nice car. And... Uh, something about that man, I won't give his name, there's no point, but there was absolutely nothing spiritual or holy or or wise. He just simply seemed like a businessman and not a very pleasant one. And and I remember him once, it's coming back to me now, on my front porch, giving me a look. And it, it almost seemed as if it was a scolding because he knew I wasn't going to church. Uh, and this might have come after when I, it was time for me to b- 
become confirmed. I think that happened around age 13. I'm very vague on these things, I, and I want that to be clear. I am not uh, well-read. I'm not well-informed. I'm just a person trying to find his way in life. And uh, But I made the decision, no, I, why would I do that? Why would I join this? And certainly not with him at the helm. And uh, that was that. Um, prior to that, I had had two. And we'll just, let's just deal with church for now. Um, experiences that stand out. Uh, two more reasons why. I, I, love, I love everything being in threes. So we're going to have three here. Three, number, first of all, was the particular minister at that time. This would have been uh, early 60s in uh, Lachine. Um, the other memory I have was we lived across the street from the church when we were in Valleyfield. I grew up in Valleyfield the first eight years of my life. Small, small town, but uh, we had a big house across from the school, across from the church, right on Galt Street. And I remember going to church, and it was very long, very boring, but I loved looking at the stained glass window. It was a beautiful old church. And to this day, I, I am just in awe. I will go into a church and I will happily spend an hour just looking at stained glass windows. It, it's, it is such a thing of beauty. And, and there was something holy and wonderful and mystical and magical about these, these characters who were there, these people. What was it about them? And as the sunlight came in and illuminated certain colors... Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. So that part of church, I could handle looking at these things. And occasionally there might be somebody else giggling behind me or something, which made it a little bit amusing. But one time we had Sunday school in the basement uh, of that church. So when the adults were going through their long, boring services, the uh, children gathered downstairs and with various Sunday school leaders and this one time, uh, my parents had forgot to tell me, but there wasn't going to be a Sunday school. I think it was a special service upstairs. And I went straight in through the front doors of the church, down into the basement, and all I saw were ghosts. Now, the ghosts were, of course, the tables that had been covered with white sheets. I guess to keep the dust off or whatever, because nobody had set it up. Nobody had taken the sheets off and set up the chairs for the Sunday school service because there wasn't one that day. All I saw was the basement of the church where probably the dead people were anyway. And uh, I remember just running out of there and running home and being quite, quite terrified. So it didn't leave any traumatic experiences that I know of. I'm not permanently scarred. I don't see ghosts when I go into church. But... Um, I do remember being quite frightened at that. And the second time, a little more embarrassing, uh, again, the same church back in Lachine, St. Paul's Anglican Church. When we had just moved to Lachine, and uh, it was accepted that I would go and I would join whatever group was I was supposed to be with, with the young people. I think they had young people's group, and I was told, you go to the church and you... Uh, you meet Captain Kelly, I think was his name, and I don't know why I can remember that, other than that seemed an unusual name for somebody to meet at a church. Um, now, I went, and I believe I went on my own. It was my turn to go, and maybe my parents weren't going that day, and I knew the walk to get there. And I it was a little bit of a... I suppose I was a bit timid as a child. We'd moved a couple of times, and it took me a while each time we moved to adjust to my new surroundings, but... 
I went to the church, and rather than ask anybody for help on who's Captain Kelly, where do I go? I didn't have, I guess, the courage to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm new here, what am I supposed to do? I turned around and ran home. I went in, didn't see the group, didn't know what to do, panicked, ran home, and ran into the kitchen crying. And I remember my father hugging me, hugging me and saying, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. And in my mind, in my memory, this was the last time anything like that happened. I I was, of course, embarrassed. I was too old to be crying over nothing. Nothing bad had happened. I couldn't explain why I was crying or why this was so upsetting. I remember my brother and sister, and I have this sense, and maybe I'm, I'm doing them an injustice by seeing this, but I had the feeling both of them looked at me with some scorn of, you know, what are you crying about? Like, this is your, your big boy, and here you are, your father's hugging you for crying. What's, what's that all about? Now, I don't know why I felt that, but I guess it was just my own embarrassment that I'm probably projecting here, uh, because it's, it's not fair. They were quite loving. Uh, but that's certainly how I felt. I, I was comforted by my father at the time, but at the same time ashamed, deeply ashamed that... Why? Why was I crying? Why had I handled it that way? Or, you know, why was it ridiculous? Well, I mean, that may be just another one of the reasons why I never did go back to that church. (laughs) So there we are. And now, boy, oh boy, 50 years later or more, I find myself exploring the whole possibility of of possibly joining a church or becoming one. I'm certainly attending it because I like it. And that's part of the journey that I want to take you along of, uh, is is church the right thing for me? So I'm going to try and keep these podcasts, these sermons, focused to the whole idea of spiritual journeys. Maybe that's what this is about, and and this will be mine. I don't think I'll be actually interviewing people, although that's certainly a possibility. And of course, uh, it just occurred to me yesterday, the the idea of maybe if we could find the time to uh, interview the um, particular pastor of this church, Greta Vosper. I know the listeners would find that very, very interesting. But let's, let's say that's down the road. You have to do, I would say, at least six, seven, eight podcasts before it clicks before you feel, okay, we've got something going here. Let's continue. So forgive me, this is only number two while we work out some of the bugs and uh, and get a better handle on uh, where we're going or what direction we're moving in. I think that was um, fair enough for a start. I'm sitting in my car and I, I deliberately brought along three books, one of which I borrowed from. Uh, West Hill United, Sam Harris, The Moral Landscape, How Science Can Determine Human Values. And I just find it interesting. I have not read it yet, and I've got to uh, start moving on this because I borrowed it from the West Hill Library. They have a library, and I was quite impressed that they would have such a book like this in their library. Second book, Ram Dass, Journey of Awakening, A Mediator's Guide. Now, I, I liken this title to this podcast, Journey of Awakening, and that may be something I'm doing. I've I've been certainly spending a lifetime on trying to wake up, 
trying to achieve some kind of enlightenment. I, I think I'm I'm in a, a better place than I've probably ever been in my life in, in some respects. Others not. I still have a very long way to go. Uh, but Ram Dass was somebody uh, we knew as uh, Richard Alpert, who was the partner to Timothy Leary when they worked with psychedelics and LSD, and both of them got booted out of Harvard University. But he's an interesting character, and uh, I have all his other books. So when I saw this one... I said, oh, we've got to get that too. And of course, the third book is the one I mentioned in last uh, sermon, Greta Vosper's Amen, which I've decided I was giving it as, I bought it with the intention of not reading it, but giving it to my sister as a gift. And um, now I've decided, no, I uh, I certainly owe it to Greta and this church to, uh, to read what it is she has to say. And uh, I'm only just starting, but I'm enjoying it. So there you go, 20 minutes. I uh, I have rambled on. But uh, I hope you get a sense of what I'm trying to do here. And uh, I hope that you will come back for, uh, for more of the same. So this is Ken, signing out for now until I find a better way to sign out. Thank you.